When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new mystery and thriller books to read but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 107, and we are recording on Monday, July 26th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. How are you? Hi, Katie. This is me reporting from a very full house. At any, <laughs> I feel like I need to start this episode with a disclaimer that at any given time, if, you, if anyone hears toddlers going off in the background, things falling, it's all the usual. Just the usual things <laughs> happening. Nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> yeah, but we do have some family visiting. It's been a full house, but it's also been super fun. We're all vaccinated. It's been good to just see other people and do other things besides you know just being stuck in a routine and stuff what about you how are you doing oh i'm i think i'm good i I, quite honestly i don't know at this point i think no i think i'm good i can't think of anything bad that's happened recently so i'm like (laughs) all right i think i'm doing okay um no i just have one of those like if you ask me how things are going usually i'm like i don't know (laughs) Unless something groundbreaking just happened within the last thirty minutes, I'm like, eh, I'm all right. That that's fair. I yeah. But um, I was gonna say on my end, I do not have a house full of toddlers, but I don't know if the cicada chorus outside of my window <laughs> is gonna make it through the audio. But if you do hear this high pitched buzzing noise, that's what's happening. It is full on cicada season in Chicagoland. I don't know. If everywhere in the country it's cicada season, it feels like it it is based on my Twitter feed, but (laughs) I don't know. Like, do you guys get cicadas out in the San Francisco area? I have no idea. I don't think. I'm not sure. I haven't experienced them yet. Okay, you probably would, but then maybe it's just more of a Midwestern thing. But yeah, they're very they're very large, high pitched, making noise making bugs, and they're. yeah no no and yeah they they're supposed to hibernate for 17 years but we just get multiple cycles (laughs) of cicadas so it's like every summer around this time it's just this droning chorus but um i think i should stop talking about bugs and maybe we should talk about books like what have you been reading recently so you like that segue i I like that segue (laughs) (laughs) bugs and books bugs and books (laughs) so i have uh, I have not been able to finish uh, anything much. What else is new? But I did start a fantastic audiobook. It's called The Vanished Bride by Bella Ellis. And I am just in the beginning of it. And it's basically what Bronte sisters solving murder. 
And I don't think I've spoken about this before, but I love the Bronte sisters. Like so many people, they are, um, the, the trio itself is one of my most beloved, you know, trio of authors. I've read all their books. They're one of those authors whose co- books copies I own like multiple copies of. And it's and the audiobook, this The Vanished Bride, the mystery, it's a historical mystery. And it's exactly the amounts of literary and mystery that you could expect from a mystery centered around the Bronte sisters solving murder. So it's fantastic. I'm only in the beginning of it, but it's absolutely delightful. The audiobook performance is also wonderful. And yeah, that's what I've recently started. What about you? Is there anything you were excited to, you know, begin or something you finished with? Well, I did finish reading The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris, which we've talked about on the show a few times before. And I just want to say, yeah, it totally lives up to the hype. (laughs) It is so good, so suspenseful, so dread-inducing, especially in the last pages. And like you get to the last page and you're just like, oh no, it was so well done. I loved it so much. So I finished that, and then last night I decided I was going to, I just didn't know what I wanted to read, so I grabbed like five books from my shelf that I had been eyeing for a while, and I just picked one, I'm like, alright, I'm gonna start reading this, and it was the latest Riley Sager book, Survive the Night, which I got for my birthday. And I picked it up, I started reading it, and then the next thing you know, I'm like, oh my god, I'm halfway through this. <laughs> and this was like at 9.30 at night, and I'm like, well, I'm already halfway through this, and it took me like an hour, so I guess we're just gonna keep going. <laughs> and when I first picked it up, Blaine came out into the living room. He's like, oh, you're reading. What book are you reading? And I showed him. And then he went into his office to play video games or whatever. And then like two hours later, I came in, and I was like, hi. And he's like, hey, what's up? And I was like, I finished the book. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs> Like, I finished it. That book you saw me reading, I finished it. He's like, what? <laughs> he was just like, how do you do that? But um, yeah, if you're looking for a book that you can literally blast through in two hours, like this was like, maybe a little like two and a half hours, but with like a half hour activity break that I needed for stuff I needed to get done. And then I just went right back to reading. It is lightning fast, super suspenseful. Every time you think you've got figured out where the story's going, nope, you're wrong. It was just classic Riley Saker, and I loved it so much. Oh, it was the it was just the perfect reading experience, and I love it when I can just bust out a book in one sitting. So clearly are there are there chapters short is it the story i'm i'm so uh, like i'm having a similar reaction like blaine where i'm like what how do you do that how does one do that it's i mean it's it's just a really fast-paced read it's mainly between two characters short chapters Mm -hmm. a lot of dialogue and it just pulls you into the story and the next thing you know you're like whoa like (laughs) yeah it is so good but all right, well, I could I was gonna say I could go on for <laughs> the entire episode talking about both of those books. But why don't you go ahead, and give us our first sponsor, and then we can jump in with the real stuff we plan to talk about. Absolutely. This episode of Fred or Dead is sponsored in part by Harper Perennial. The New York Times bestselling author of Before I Go to Sleep returns with a gripping new psychological thriller about a sleepy fishing village and a dark mystery surrounding the disappearance of a local girl. Blackwood Bay, an ordinary place home to ordinary people. It used to be a buzzing seaside destination, but now, ravaged by the effects of dwindling tourism and economic downturn, it's a ghost town and the perfect place for filmmaker Alex to shoot her new documentary. 
but the community is deeply suspicious of our intentions. After all, nothing exciting ever happens in Blackwood Bay, or does it? If you like Gone Girl or enjoyed Mayor of Easttown, you will love Final Cut by S.J. Watson. And we thank them very much for sponsoring the show. All right. Well, to all of our listeners, if you are a new listener, welcome. We are delighted to have you with us. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We're so happy that you keep tuning in every two weeks to listen to us talk about mysteries and thrillers. So if you're new to the show, obviously we talk about mysteries and thrillers, but Pretty much anything that falls under that umbrella is fair game for us, whether it's movie adaptations or a particular subgenre that we think is really interesting or Rita likes for a really popular author or just anything along along those lines. If it's if it's mysterious and suspenseful, it's fair game. And if you've listened to the show before, you know this is the point in the episode where we put out a call to our listeners to send us suggestions for upcoming episodes, because we really do use a lot of these to plan future episodes. It helps us know what you would like to hear about. It helps us expand our own reading horizons. It's just, it's a win-win arrangement all around. So if you have any ideas or recommendations for us, you can shoot us an email or reach out via social media. We'll have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, but we always like to put out the call ahead of time just to get those juices flowing, get those ideas going. And even if you don't have an idea, you just want to say hi, there is nothing we love more. We just love hearing from our listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us and join in on this fantastic community that we have built over the last few years. So... With that, I guess let's go ahead and just jump into the episode. As far as news go, we've got we've got some fun announcements. So, first off, if you are a fan of the Leaphorn and Chi mysteries by Tony Hillerman, well, you are in luck because AMC is developing a thriller series called Dark Winds, um, which is based on the long-running Leaphorn and Chi series, which takes place on a Navajo uh, reservation. So it doesn't appear as though Dark Winds is based on a particular book or a particular storyline, but it does use a lot of, or it uses the same characters as the book series. We don't have an air date yet. We do know it's going to be a six-episode uh, six uh, miniseries, and it looks like they've got Zahn McLaren, who is in Westworld, and Kiawa Gordon, who was in uh, Roswell, New Mexico, as the stars of the show. So that should be really interesting. And George R.R. R. Martin is executive producing this because apparently he doesn't have anything else that he needs to be doing right now. Um, <laughs> finishing the next Game of Thrones book. I don't even read Game of Thrones at this point. I'm like, dude, George Martin, what, George R.R. R. Martin, what are you doing? Um, but anyway, he's executive producing. And it looks like this is going to be a really interesting series. So as we get more information about this, we will definitely let you know. But in the meantime, you can go ahead and put this on your radars. And up next, The Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware is getting an ad adaptation. It has recently been optioned by Working Title, and it is being written by Max Minghella and Jamie Bell. The cast is not yet 
uh, been decided and there is no launch date or any upcoming dates as such but it's just uh, something to put on your radar i didn't notice that it has been the third film in the past weeks that has been option that centers around you know that's horror centric and that centers around artificial intelligence if you are unaware of the turn of the key and the story it tells it's about a young woman who stumbles across an ad to take a position as a live-in nanny at a high-tech smart house in the scottish highlands and in spite of her extremely generous salary the beautiful location and incredible home she very quickly finds out that things are not as it seems and i i think it's such good fodder for a horror centric adaptation that i'm super excited and if you are a fan of ruth ware's works then this is something you absolutely need to put on your radar oh my gosh I, as you were reading the synopsis i haven't read the book yet but i'm just like increasingly with every word you said i'm like this is just an increasingly bad idea <laughs> <laughs> it's a smart you know, it's a nanny smart house scottish highlands i'm like oh this isn't gonna go well <laughs> all right and then in the last bit of adaptation news um the very very little information but on twitter uh david hesco wombly wyden who of course is the author of the book riot favorite uh winter counts which we've talked about so much on this show he mentioned on Twitter that the book has been optioned for film. It doesn't look like there's anyone attached to it yet in terms of producing it or, you know, or, you know a production company or anything fancy like that. Um, but he did say that the book has been optioned. So while it doesn't mean a guarantee that it will eventually get adapted, fingers crossed that it does because the book was so good and is just absolutely made for some kind of an adaptation. So if we get updates on that, we'll let you know. But we just had to throw that out there because it's so exciting. Absolutely. I um, I recently wrote a post for Book Ride as well, in which I mentioned, you know, novels by Indigenous authors that need to be adapted. And that was one of my picks, just because I think it's like, you know, it's the kind of slow paced, gritty, but at the same time, there's like, there's very under the surface action, but it's it propels the movie forward almost like it's, it's it's just it just felt like it was a perfect recipe for a movie as well it would translate great into a movie so i'm excited to i'm i'm definitely that's definitely a news item that i am following to see you know where it goes when we can expect it well i was gonna say real quickly i don't know if you knew but i didn't know that you wrote that post i knew that the post had been written he he links to your post when he says hey bt dubs it's been optioned so <laughs> That's a beautiful moment. There you go. <laughs> Woohoo! <Bad> girl moment. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And with that, we also wanted to throw in a quick congratulations to all the uh, 2020 Agatha Award winners. We have some fantastic winners um, for the best, uh, such as Best Contemporary Novel. Go went to All the Devils Are Here by Louise Penny. And we already know what a powerhouse she is. The best historical novel went to The Last Mrs. Summer by Riz Bowen, and again, another powerhouse. Uh, and for best nonfiction, we have Phantom Lady, Hollywood producer Joanne Harris, The Forgotten Woman Behind Hitchcock by Christina Lane. There was also in our Edgar Award nominees and such a fantastic lineup. Uh, so congratulations to all the winners. And we are excited to, you know, I'm excited to pick up some of these picks. Just get to them and just learn more about them. 
Yeah, and if you're a fan of mystery novels that are on the cozier side or the less intense slash bloody side, less murderous, overtly murderous, um, definitely check out the previous Agatha Award winners and the nominees, because that is really the focus of these awards. They really, they go for the, the cozy mysteries or the, the mysteries that don't involve a ton of on-screen violence or anything like that. It's really, really good, good resource if you like your, your mysteries on the lighter side. So they've got a ton of previous uh long list and stuff to check out and then with that i guess let's let's go ahead and jump into main part of this episode i also just realized as i'm talking i didn't put the blinds down in the office and i'm sitting here making like all kinds of (laughs) hand gestures and stuff while if my neighbors are walking any of their dogs and looking up they're gonna see me making some very very interesting (laughs) movements and faces so yes they're going to show up in garlic at your house, you know? Like- uh, yeah, they may. They may. For for unrelated reasons, but yes, they may. <laughs> um, okay, so for this episode, we decided to talk about books featuring characters with disabilities or books written by authors with disabilities because July is Disability Pride Month, which this I feel like I could be totally wrong. This is one of the first years that Disability Pride Month has crossed my radar. I could have just been hopelessly out of it, but it sounds like it might be a newer a newer designation for the month of July. But at any rate, I think this this might be one of the first episodes on Red or Dead that we've talked about this. So, yay! <laughs> but yeah, we thought that it would be a really... It's a really important topic to, of course, read and talk about year-round, but we also thought that this would be a good, uh, timely episode. And I don't know what your experience was like, Nezra, you know, deciding what books you wanted to talk about for the show, but I was able to find some books that I, that I wanted to talk about, but... Like, you have a few authors that have, like, a long-running, that maybe have, like, a long-running series that, where they feature, where the main character has some kind of disability, whether it's a physical disability or a, or they, you know, they have mental health issues or whatever the case may be, but I'm not seeing a ton of different authors in here. I had, I had kind of a hard time figuring out what book, what books I wanted to talk about. I don't know what your experience was like, but... See, it seemed like slim pickings. I agree. Uh, that was, my experience was similar. So, and that really got me thinking. So again, to my knowledge, this also, again, could be my limited knowledge, but this is for me as well. This is the first time that I'm, you know, that I've seen that more people talking about Disability Pride Month, more bookish platforms talking about, you know, like reading lists and characters. And and so I'm excited that we have this, you know, opportunity to talk about this. But when I was looking for, you know, more books, more mysteries that feature disabled characters or were written by authors, you know, who have some kind of um, sort of a disability. Uh, you're correct. I could not, I had a, a hard time finding ones specifically in the mystery genre. And I feel like this could also be a visibility thing where we're, this is more, you know, more memoirs are coming out. We're finally seeing a time where finally more romances are coming out, you know, where we're written by disabled authors, featuring disabled characters. And maybe it's, you know, it's like the mystery genre and the people who 
encourage like people like us who encourage others to read mysteries. We need to maybe do more digging. We need to maybe endorse more of this or shout more for, you know, people who might not be as able-bodied. And yeah, like, but you're correct. It was a bit of a slim picking situation. Yeah. Why don't you go first? Because I, both of the books I, I ended up picking, I have talked about on the show before. So I would love to hear about something new. Absolutely. So my first pick is A Will to Kill. And this is by R.V. Raman. And this book our main uh, protagonist is disabled. He uses a wheelchair and basically the story revolves around, you know, he's getting older. And before I jump into what the story is about, this book is basically, if you enjoyed the movie Knives Out (laughs) for reasons other than, you know, Chris Evans being in there, uh, <laughs> uh, then you will enjoy this book because it has a fantastic setting. It takes you into these hills, Nilgris Hills. These are uh, the, this is a hill station in India, and what happens is our main protagonist, the uh, his Bhaskar Fernandez, and he has after you know he's been in this long fight trying to reclaim his family property. And after a very long legal battle, he is finally able to get a hold of his property in the hilly areas of Nilgris. And he, you know, he invites his family to celebrate and he wants to spend some time with them. But at the same time, he also suspects that his family is trying to get rid of him because now that they finally have the property back, you know, once he's out of the way, they'll it, it'll be theirs to do with whatever they want. So he invites one of his friends who is a detective to also come, you know, to also come over and just sort of be on guard and just, you know, uh, just stay, stay put basically. And when a landslide occurs, they become isolated all of a sudden and, you know, they lose power and everything goes against them. And as soon as, you know, as soon as the access is regained, as soon as light comes back on, things have changed. And that's all you need to know about, you know, what ends up happening But the atmosphere in this novel is very much, you know, so my family is back in Pakistan and we often travel to hilly areas. So the, and the area of Nilgris is, you know, similar to the hilly areas in Pakistan. And there's, there's always fog in there. And it's, it's the perfect setting for something like this, you know, where no one's motivations are clear. And you also want to show the sense of isolation from the rest of the world, you know, where you want to cut off access and everything. And also I felt like Raman, uh, the author's uh, coverage of Bhaskar and, you know, his disability was very respectful. It was very uh, well handled and it was just, it was just delight. So this, it was, it, this was an absolutely fantastic book and I'm, and it, it has been turned into a series. So this was the first of the series and there are more to come. So again, that's A Will to Kill by R.V. Raman. That sounds awesome. And yeah, you had me at if you liked Knives Out and then followed up for reasons other than Chris Evans. I was like, well, I did like Knives Out for reasons other than Chris <laughs> Evans. So that's that sounds really, really interesting. And yeah, it's a series and an author I have been unfamiliar with up to this point. So I will definitely have to check that one out. And then before I jump into my first pick, I have our second sponsor, which is... 
TBR again. So if you missed it at the top of the episode, TBR is Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. So if you are looking for great new mystery and thriller books to read but are overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz, let Book Riot help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget, and you can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. mytbr.co, and we thank them very much for, again, sponsoring the episode. And, okay, so my first pick... If you've listened to this podcast before, you will know it is no secret that I absolutely adored the book Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. And so I wanted to talk about this book for this episode, even though, well, the book actually has like seven or eight quote unquote main characters. But so the the main characters in the book are not the ones who have a disability. It's the it's the central tragedy that the that the story is built around. Um, I will put out a trigger warning for um, for harm to a child, child death. Um, I know for some people this is 100% a no-go, so just giving you a heads up. The central, yeah, central tragedy at the book happens as the, or when the book opens, this has already taken place, and there's a family, the Yu family, they are immigrants from Korea, and they have this hyperbaric oxygen therapy thing that the, I guess it's kind of, it's called a submarine almost or it looks like a submarine and it's this chamber that some that is the the oxygen therapy has been reported to help with all kinds of medical and physical and mental issues or it can be useful for people who are struggling with infertility and they, it can also possibly be helpful for people who have autism and at the beginning of the book, there is um, there's a group of mothers that bring their children who have autism to the chamber for weekly oxygen therapy. And there's a fire that happens right outside the chamber. And with a lot of oxygen, it creates a very flammable environment. And there's there's an immense explosion, basically. Some, some of the people who are inside the chamber come out alive not everyone does. One of the and one of the one of the patients who is killed is an eight year old boy named Henry who has autism. So very, it's a really tragic occurrence. But at the beginning of the book, his mother is on trial for for deliberately setting the fire. They believe that she deliberately set the fire because she was not willing to continue caring for her son because of the challenges it presents. And what I loved about this book is that it is so multi-layered, and every character the it's told from the viewpoints of like seven or eight different characters. Every one of them adds something to the story. You think you understand what's going on, then another character's perspective comes in, and you go, "Oh my gosh, I had I was totally off." And the story keeps keeps changing. You're never quite sure what's happening, but it fits all together like a jigsaw puzzle. So there are all kinds of possibilities, motivations, things happening. But one of the biggest issues in the book is the the trial around um, where Henry's mother is on trial for, uh, for allegedly murdering her son. And there's a lot of space in the book given to 
not only the what it's like as a parent to care for a child who has autism, but all of the potential, you know, there, there it looks at the the issue of using ox, you know, undergoing oxygen therapy to try to quote unquote cure your child's autism. There's a lot of, you know, there there's a lot of controversy and there's there are a lot of different viewpoints around that issue. It is not a black and a black and white thing, but there's just so much to to think about with this book and there are there's some really, you know, there's some really heartbreaking stuff in there. And it's the whole book itself is just so seamlessly written. It's it's not it's I wouldn't call it like, you know, it's not like an it's not an action-packed thriller, but it will keep you turning the pages and the end you just kind of have to sit with the book and just think about it. It's oh my gosh, so well done. But I really wanted, I thought this was an appropriate episode to give another shout out to this book. And again, that is Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. Yeah, I have not picked up that book precisely because of the trigger warning that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. But also, I've heard from a lot of my friends who read it that it's a very, it it talks about some very important things. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I love the mystery and suspense genre so much. Like just for instance, the very genre of domestic thrillers that has become so important, right? That it has become mm-hmm. such a thing. It taps into something that, you know, that doesn't get spoken of like often, you know, like, uh, yeah, there's the mystery and suspense element to it, but it's also a commentary. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I love this genre so much. And also why I will one day pick up that book. <laughs> yeah, like I, like I said, it is not an easy read. And so that's, this is a book when I suggest it to people, they're like, if they're like, no, I can't do it, I'd be like, hey, I totally get it. Like, yeah. it's, it's a hard read. But if you are, uh, you know, if you do want to pick it up, it is well worth the time spent reading it. It was hands down my favorite book. I think it came out in 2019. Hands down my favorite book of the year. All right. And then with that, I'll go with, into my second pick. So this, my second pick is The Girls I've Been by Tess Sharp. And Tess Sharp has a couple of books where she does, you know, where she has her stories feature disabled characters. And in this book, the main character, the girl in Girls I've Been, the main character suffers from endometriosis. And um, the reason I wanted to definitely give a shout out to this book, even though I've spoken about this book before, is because endometriosis, I have a couple of friends who suffer from endometriosis, and it's a silent disability in the sense that it's very hard to diagnose, but those who go through it have a very tough time with it. So I just wanted to, you know, speak. And so one of my friends who actually has it, when I suggested, you know, this book to her, or there's a couple of other books I suggested to her, she texted me back and she talked about how she hadn't, you know, seen it represented in literature that way. So that's why I thought it was important to speak about this. Um, so the, in The Girls I've Been, we follow Nora O'Malley and she is used to, you know, pulling cons with her mom where she pretends to be someone else and, you know, that's that's just a thing that she knows how to do, like upper side of the hand, whatever that phrase is called. But then when her mom falls in love with you know, one of their targets, Nora decides it's time to split. And she is she pulls, you know, the ultimate con, she escapes from her mom. And so for five years she's been, you know, living a normal life as normal as it can be. That is until she runs into three problems simultaneously. Her ex walks in on her with her girlfriend. And second thing, the morning after this happens, the trio, 
the so the ex-girlfriend Nora and her current girlfriend, they find themselves at, at a bank depositing the money for this fundraiser they were all at, all at. And the third is that as after they enter the bank, two guys start robbing the bank. But the bank robbers, you know, obviously everyone is shocked. Everyone is, you know, there's this element of, you know, uproar and chaos but Nora Nora knows exactly what to do she has been pulling cons like this you know for ages and she it's it's time for her to you know dust off her skills and get to work and this was um this is a book I did an audio and it is delightful it's the perfect amount of it's a non-linear structure so it's like back uh, past present past present and it's very well done in a sense that it's not disorienting you don't feel like, you know, you were just taken for a ride. It's in a way you do, but not in a way that makes you dizzy. But it's just it in a way that will not make you want to do anything else. So I definitely wanted to mention this one here. And it's fantastic on audio. Uh, and it's The Girls I've Been by Tess Sharp. All right. And then my second pick for this one is The Witch Elm by Tana French. And... When I was doing research for this episode, I came across a few lists that included this book um, for, if you're looking for reads featuring characters with disabilities. And for a second, I was, I I mean, it's it's been a few, a few years since I've read The Witch Elm, but I, and it took me a second. I was like, really? And then I was like, oh, right. Because <laughs> the main character, Toby, he is, by his own admission, he is a lucky guy. You know, he is he is a cool cucumber, to use a really bad metaphor. But he he's just kind of a an easygoing, smooth talking guy. He can always kind of talk himself out of trouble. He's always, you know, done well with romance. You know, he's never really had any hardship in his life. And at the beginning of the book, actually for like the first I don't know, maybe thirty percent of the book, this first off, I will say this book is the definition of a slow burn. If you've read Tana French before, you're the, you're probably going to spend the first 30% of the book going, oh my gosh, when is the action going to pick up? It will, I promise. But because this is a standalone novel and not part of her Dublin Murder Squad series, she takes time to really establish us into who Toby is, what his life is like. And it's very well done. Um, but it does take take a little while to pick up, so just just hang tight if you haven't read it before and you're and you're running into that issue. But in the first thirty percent of the book, he goes out with his friends for um he he goes to a bar with his friends, and when he comes home at night, he un- accidentally interrupts a burglary in process in at his house, and he is seriously injured, sustains a severe head injury. And wakes up in the hospital. And while he's alive and, you know, able to, you know, for the most part, move, um, although he, I, th- I think that he does have some limitations with, with you know, physically getting around right after the, the accident. The, the injury that, the head injury that he sustained causes issues with his memory. And so he can't, like, it's not... You know, it, he's, he recognizes people and, you know, he can, you know, for the most part, get kind of get back into his previous life. But there are gaps in his memory of things he can't remember. And this really takes a toll on him. 
you know, understandably. And he ends up going to his family's ancestral home to care for his dying uncle, who he's really, really fond of, and trying to kind of get his life back on track or get his feet underneath him while he tries to adapt to this new reality. And then someone finds a skull in the giant tree on the family property. The police get called in and that's where the mystery picks up. Once you once the, once they find the skull, that's when things take off, you know, like they do. Um, but with this book, I mean, this book, I think Tana French just she says so much about so many things in this book. It is multi-layered and it it is not a linear read. There's there's just so much stuff going on, but it is well worth the effort. But one of the big things is this well, it's this concept of privilege. So you think about the privileges that people have as they go through life, but also how an injury or something like what Toby sustains really changes you know, how you get through life and how you, you know, how you interact with other people, how you physically get through the day. And, you know, as he's trying to figure out, okay, why is there a skull in my uncle's tree? And he's trying to like kind of play amateur detective on the side while the police are doing their own investigation. He starts running into his memory gaps and he's like, wait a minute, what am I forgetting? You know, are the things that I feel like I remember happening, did they happen? Have I been, you know, what has, you know, what what happened in my past? Is that really what happened? And so there's a lot of questions about just general perception and how we remember things and why we remember the things the way we do, but also how this can be affected by severe trauma. And it's an and it's an interesting perspective because it's a character who you know, this this isn't something that he was born with or something that he's learned to adapt with or adapt to his entire life. This is a very sudden, severe event that kind of that kind of separates his life into from, you know, the person he was before and the person he is afterwards. So just seeing this book on on those lists made me think again about about the story and kind of view it in a different light than I had before. And it's actually making me want, I'm like, you know what, I haven't listened to this one on audio yet. So I think I'm going to pick <laughs> this one up on audio pretty soon and listen to that. Um, but again, that is The Witch Elm by Tana French. Yeah, that is one of the books that I have. I am a huge Tana French person, but I haven't been able to get to her standalones yet. And your perspective on it makes me, I, I have a bookshelf right behind me and I'm like, hmm, how soon is too soon to pick it up? Can I start reading right now? I did not. I do not have the book right next to me. <laughs> I was going to say, let's wait till we finish recording. But other than that, there's no such thing as too soon. <laughs> yeah, but I'm super excited to pick that up now. Um, sometimes, you know, there's this book that just waits on your shelf and you need to get just the right perspective, you know, just just the right thing, just the right push. And this is it for me. So thank you for sharing that. And <laughs> I think with that, for now, those were all our picks. Uh, this is definitely a topic that, you know, we're going to be thinking about more of. And I hope this will encourage you to, you know, whenever you read more of uh, whatever you read, to be more aware, more cognizant of what the characters are going through. And if you have any picks, you know, please share them with us. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, uh, let's jump into our new releases. Katie, do you want to go ahead and give us your first new release you're excited about? Sure. And well, I know you're excited about this new release, too, because I know you mentioned this before in your most anticipated list. But 
If you are a Megan Abbott fan, you can rejoice because her new book is coming out on August 3rd. It is The Turnout. If you are familiar with her works, you know that a lot of her stories center around environments that are primarily inhabited by women. Like we have a story with uh, female scientists. We have her. We have her novel with set in the world of cheerleading and gymnastics. Well, this one is set in uh, is set in a ballet studio, and the story follows Dara and Marie Durant, and they have been dancers since birth. Growing up, they were homeschooled and trained by their glamorous mother, who is the founder of the Durant School of Dance. And after their parents' death in a tragic accident nearly a dozen years ago, the sisters began running the school together, along with Charlie, who is Dara's husband, and once their mother's prized student. So Marie teaches the younger students, Dara trains the older ones, and Charlie, whose back has been broken after, or back broken after years of injuries, rules over the back office, kind of running the behind the scenes stuff. So the three have really perfected this sort of dance. Six days a week, studio is thriving, but then a suspicious accident occurs, as it always does in a suspense novel. And this is just at the onset of the school's annual performance of The Nutcracker, when competition and anxiety are at their peak, and an interloper arrives and threatens the sisters' delicate balance. So... Oh my gosh, I love Megan Abbott so much. So if you're looking for an examination of family ties, femininity, sexuality, power, just, oh, I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. And again, this is The Turnout by Megan Abbott, and that comes out on August 3rd. Ugh, I can't. I can't even. I, I can't even talk about it anymore than that. Like, I have reached my saturation point in terms of excitement. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we got to tone it down. <laughs> uh, I am just so ready. My my soul is ready. Like, I don't know if I mentioned, I did get, I was uh, fortunate enough to get an e-galley for it. But I've been, what, I, what I'm waiting for is the performance by Cassandra Campbell. That's oh. what I am waiting for. So, uh I can't do I can't do it. Too much anticipation. So I'm gonna turn <laughs> I'm gonna turn my attention to this next release. So this comes out on July 27th. So th- by the time you hear this episode, this will already be out. And it is a good day for Chardonnay by Dorinda Jones. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before. So Dorinda, this is a part of her Sheriff Vikram series and it uh, Sunshine Vikram series sorry and it's the uh, this is the second book in the series and her first book in the series A Bad Day for Sunshine so I listened to that book last year when the everything when the everything had just shut down for COVID so um we were I think in beginning of April and it was everything was super uncertain I don't need to recount to everyone what that was like but just listening to that book was a very, very bright spot in my life. And I think of that book very, very fondly. I recommend it to anyone who is ever looking for, you know, like a humorous read, but at the same time, you know, not quite cozy. Um, So like think of uh, Janet Ivanovich's uh, Stephanie Plum series, but a different, it's quite different than that, but it's just, it was, it's delightful. And I am so ready for this one. It's um, so it talks about sunshine and all sunshine wants to do is she wants to, she's a local sheriff and all she wants to do is have one easy day. You know, the kind that starts with coffee, a donut 
and uh, and ends with a takeout pizza and a glass of Chardonnay. Who doesn't want that? Yeah, that sounds like my ideal day. Yeah. <laughs> But before, you know, she can, before she can say, I love this, before she can say, I smoke a latte, Sunny's got a bar fight gone wrong, a teenage daughter hunting a serial killer, and oh yes, there's still unresolved mystery of her own abduction years prior. So she went through this abduction in her teenage years, and it's blacked out from her memory, and she's been trying to remember, you know, what happened. She's been trying to recall details of that. I will say that that is a bit of a, you know, grave mention in the book, as in if that is a trigger warning for you, uh, you might want to proceed with caution, but it's never in too much detail. It's it's dealt with very, for a lack of better word, I would just say it's like very subtle. So she, you know, it's not discussed in very much detail. She's working through it off page if that makes sense so she's working through her oh you know trying to piece those pieces together and all evidence is pointing to a local distiller a dangerous bad boy named levy ravinder but sunshine knows he's not the villain of her story you know but she has this feeling that he possesses the answers to her you know the keys to her disappearance and there's this bit of like you know she she has she finds herself oddly drawn to him so there's you know it's there's humor, there's this there's this mystery element to it, there's a bit of will they, won't they, and then in between all this, you know, just policing a town uh, and just managing her pesky crush and managing a daughter, her life is just about to, you know, go all kinds of wild in a matter of, you know, in a matter of minutes. And that definitely sounds like a good day for Chardonnay. So I... I'm so ready for this. So it is A Good Day for Chardonnay by Dorinda Jones. This is the second book in the series and it is going to come out July 27th. And I haven't read it yet, so I'm not sure if they can be read separately, but I would recommend starting with the first just because it was absolutely amazing. And you're only two books in, into the series so far, so it's not too much of a hardship to start at the beginning. Absolutely. <laughs> Also, you have totally convinced me to pour myself a glass of wine after we finish <laughs> recording. I mean, not that I needed much convincing, but I'm like, oh, that sounds really good, actually. <laughs> and pizza. Don't forget the pizza. <laughs> oh, I had dinner already. I don't know if I'm going to do pizza, but wine I can 100% do. Yeah. <laughs> I accept the honor, you know. I, I take it. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. And with that, that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Um, thanks so much to our wonderful, wonderful sound editor, Jen Sink, who always makes us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and more bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.